Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, January the 22nd, 2022. It is currently 9.52 a.m. Central Time. And once again, I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is time once again to turn the spotlight on another Christian podcast. That's something we've been doing. Uh, We started talking about this the end of last year. I started telling everyone, hey, send me your list of your favorite Christian podcasts. And I'm going to take all of those lists and I'm going to compile a list of my own and then I'm going to share it with everyone. That was the original plan. I was just going to, okay, I get, say, 100 emails, go through all of them and go, okay, let's take about 10 of these podcasts out and let's make a list. And then I was just going to turn on the microphone and go, okay, here's the list of 10 Christian podcasts you need to subscribe to in 2022. Number 10. Number nine, number eight, number seven, number six, number five, number four, number three, number two, and your number one Christian podcast you need to subscribe to in 22 and 2022 is, but obviously I didn't do it that way. Obviously I changed my mind, which when you have the microphone, I guess you have some liberty to do that. Hopefully you don't mind. Probably some of you don't really care one way or the other. I didn't get as many emails as I thought I was going to get. I thought I thought I was going to get hundreds of emails with people sending me their list. I've got, I, I didn't, I didn't even get a hundred. Um, so I started looking, I'm like, okay, well, let's just do this. We'll just kind of start a mini series. I don't know how many parts this will be. And I'll just, I'll just, each episode, I'll just turn the spotlight on maybe one or two or three podcasts or just one. And we'll, We'll, I'll grab an episode and we'll review an episode. We'll talk about it. We'll see what we can learn from it so that everyone can hear it. It's kind of like they can preview it before they go find it on their podcast app and subscribe to it. This may actually increase the number of people who will go get the podcast. If I give just everyone a list, I doubt most people were going to sit there and go find each one and subscribe to each one. So in this case, they'll hear the ones that they're like, oh yeah, I like that. Go subscribe to it. It benefits them. Hopefully it benefits the podcast that we're putting the spotlight on. Everyone wins and it's, it's, it's a great situation for everyone. That, that is the goal and that is the hope. And not only that, we get to listen to some podcast episodes together. And you know, I love to do that. I, I, whenever I get ready to listen to something, if I can, I'm going to grab the audio, come up here to the church upload the audio here into my software, go live on the air and say, let's listen to this together. And then we stop and we review it. We analyze it. We see what we can learn from it. And I think that's always a lot of fun too. So I I hope that this will be a, I hope you've enjoyed the series so far and hopefully you will continue depending on how, how we may just do this throughout all of 2022. We just may, I mean, there's Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of Christian podcasts. I think the Edify Christian Podcast app boasts having 2.5 million Christian podcasts. So in other words, there's a lot of them out there. So it's not like I'm going to be like, well, what, what, what podcast do we look at next? We, we, I don't think we could ever uh, put the spotlight on all of them. So that's what we're going to try to do. And hopefully uh, you will enjoy it. And obviously, if there's one out there that you love, even if you don't want to send me a list, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, 
and I will definitely check it out. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. So let me let me review quickly what the spotlight, the, uh, the podcast we've turned the spotlight on so far. We, uh, we started off, the, the ones we started off with, I chose specifically because of the how long they are. What do I mean by that? Well, they're all short podcasts. So I thought, you know what? I'll put the spotlight on three podcasts that are very short, that won't require uh, a much time commitment on for anyone. However, they deal with very important subjects. So I gave you two podcasts that deal specifically with church history. They're very short. You can listen to them. Uh, one of them is a daily one. The other one is probably maybe once a week. But between those two, you can get a healthy dose of church history, which Christians desperately need since there's so much you know, illiteracy when it comes to that subject amongst professing Christians. It's absolutely startling to me how little of church history Christians know. Uh, but, but, there, but I have to state this, and again, I say this as as a rebuke, but it has to be said. At some point, Christians got to stop making excuses. Every time I turn around, it's like, well, I don't know this and I don't know that. Well, there's podcasts out there just sitting there waiting for you to learn church history. And and in this particular case, the two that I gave you was five minutes in church history. Please note, five minutes in church history. I mean, that's going to, I don't know what you're going to be able to do. I mean, by subscribing to that podcast, it may upend your entire schedule. I think you can find five minutes and that's usually like five minutes once a week. All right. So five minutes in church history and then the Christian History Almanac. In fact, I'm looking at the episode for today right here, Saturday, January the 22nd, 2022, the Christian History Almanac. It dropped four hours ago and it's, it's, you know how long it is? Seven minutes and 58 seconds. I don't, I don't think you'll be able to get to that today. I just, I think probably every minute of your day, you're just not going to be able to find seven minutes and 58 seconds. No, subscribe to those two, five minutes in church history, the Christian history almanac, so that you can be getting a dose, a, a regular consistent dose of church history. And then you have the freedom because you know this podcast, if you hear something on one of those podcasts, you're like, wow. That's really interesting. I want to learn more about that. Then you email me, newsif at yahoo.com and say, hey, I just heard this episode on five minutes in church history on the Christian History Almanac. They were talking about this subject. I would like to know more. And I'll be like, all right, I'll see what I can do. And then I will either come here to this microphone or right up there at the pulpit in front of me and stand behind that pulpit and bring an hour teaching on the subject if I can. Well, there's no question that I'll be able to, go, I mean, you can, you can send me an email and say, I want you to talk about dirt for an hour. And I probably could do that. All right. So, so I don't have a problem talking for an hour, but I got no problem adding as much teaching on the subject as possible. So you really, I mean, look, that's all awesome resources you have free. And so to make the use of them. All right. The third one is simply put, and that one's about three minutes long, Four minutes long. Some, I mean, it's, it's short and simply put, deals with systematic theology. So you have three podcasts. Probably, if 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 one dropped every day, it would probably take you a total of fifteen minutes to listen to three podcasts, and you would get church history and systematic theology. Th- there you go. Um, basically, you would get church history, and you would improve your theological vocabulary. Is that is that a better way of putting? Simply put. Um, but we, we talked about that. So go subscribe to all three, Five Minutes in Church History, 
the Christian History Almanac and simply put, all right, there we go. If you need help finding those, let me know. I subscribe to all of them via the Edify Christian Podcast app. Then the fourth one we looked at was exegetically speaking. Exegetically speaking deals with, um, let me see if you can guess, exegesis, interpreting the Bible, hermeneutics, exegetically speaking, that's another one. The reason I chose that one is, once again, it is short, and it deals with hermeneutics and, and, and exegesis of Scripture, and which Christians, in many cases, are very, again, illiterate about those kinds of things. So, and it's one that's not very well known, because, I mean, some, some of the Christian podcasts are so well known that I don't really need to put the spotlight on them, because probably everyone already subscribes to them. So, so I'm trying to just choose some that may be a little bit off the beaten path. Maybe it's not your favorite, but again, it, that's not a much of a time commitment, and that's what I want you to have. So, so far, five minutes in church history, the Christian history almanac, simply put, exegetically speaking. Now, today, we take a big turn into an area that I think is very important um, I don't know how many Christians subscribe to these kinds of podcasts, but I'm going to be putting the spotlight on them oh, probably throughout 2022 because I subscribe to a lot of them. All right, here's here. Listen carefully. There are lots of different kinds of podcasts out there, but one area of of focus for me when I subscribe to Christian podcast is the area of Bible colleges and seminaries. I love to subscribe to podcasts that originate from Bible colleges and seminaries because they give me at least a little bit of insight of what's going on in the very institutions that are training the next generation of pastors. And sometimes that gives us maybe some insight to what the church may look like five years from now, 10 years from now. It may give us some insight. I don't think it gives us a complete picture, but it gives us a little bit of insight. And so I like to imagine that when I grab, say, the Edify Christian Podcast app or whichever podcast app I, I am using, um, and we, we could talk, we, we've talked about that a lot. I could, talk, I could t- tell you why I use certain ones. But one of the podcast uh, apps that I use, not the Edify one, called Breaker, I can create my own playlist, right? So I can create a playlist that says Bible College, slash seminaries. And then every podcast that falls within that category, they'll just be right there in that playlist. It's it's awesome. I love that. I love that podcast app. So I love doing that because then I can I can separate them. Well when I when I go to that playlist and I pull down and it refreshes, to me it's like, okay, today what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend all day in a sense go visiting Bible college and seminaries all over the United States of America. And then I'll listen to whatever they're providing. Sometimes it's simply the sermon preached during the chapel service. Sometimes I can find lecture, it, it, lectures. Sometimes, I, it, whatever. Maybe it's a podcast that originates from that Bible college or seminary. Whatever I can find that's connected to those institutions, I subscribe to because it gives me a little bit of insight. Now, listen, I don't subscribe just to the Bible colleges and seminaries that I would agree with. I listen to those that I obviously, in many cases, have strong disagreements with. You say, but why would you do that? Because that lets me know what's going on. It may give me some insight to some theological development or or some new 
fad or trend that's starting to develop and I can follow it and be aware of it. And and, and that's so important. One of the things I try to do is I don't just listen to podcasts of things that I already agree with. I try to listen to things to challenge me, to make me go, wait a minute. So I look at that completely different. I now hear their perspective. Then I go back, relook at that situation, that theological topic or that verse again, and then say, maybe I need to change my point of view. Or maybe after going through all of that, I come back even more convinced that I have the right perspective and that other perspective was flawed. But it at least challenges me to do so. Um, I don't like this create an echo chamber where you only listen to what you already agree with and you hear what you already believe. There's no room, there's no way to grow or be corrected in doing that. So I, I, so some of the podcasts that I, that I recommend when it comes to Bible colleges and seminaries, it may not be schools that I necessarily agree with in every detail. And look, I even took the same approach at all of my education. I went to any school I could get to. I mean, I didn't Bible college, Bible Institute. If I, if I, if I had the ability to go and had money, I didn't care whether I agreed or disagreed with the school. I wanted to learn their perspective now. And I passed the test, wrote the papers from their perspective, and then walked away going, well, man, I reject everything that school taught, but at least I learned that perspective. I'm all about trying to, to learn and to grow in my understanding, not simply reinforce whatever ideas that I had that I currently have, because I, I, there's one thing I know about myself. I'm not infallible. So whatever ideas or beliefs I currently have, there's a high probability that they could be flawed. And so by hearing other perspectives, you can go, wait a minute, I never thought about that. That's, that's interesting. So just, just trying to give you some idea of the philosophy I have here in choosing podcasts. It's not like, hey, listen to this one because this one is the right one. It, it, I, that's not my philosophy. I'm, I'm like, hey, listen to this because I think it can be beneficial and it can be very interesting for the following reason. And then I'll give you the reason. Okay. Does that make sense? I hope it does. All right. Now here's, here's where we're going to go for this podcast. We are going to go to Hiles Anderson Bible college. That's where we're going to go. Um, this, <laughs> we, if you, if you look it up, let's just do this. If you look it up in your podcast, there's a lot, I'm laughing because a lot I could say in regards to this, but if you, if you look it up, you just type in Hiles, H-Y-L-E-S, Hiles, it may just immediately show up, maybe if I spelled it right. Yes, if you, I think if you just, uh, at least on the Edify Christian Podcast app, if you just type in H-Y-L-E-S for Hiles, it immediately will show up. And it will, And but if you want to type it all out, depending on your podcast app and how easy it is to find it, type in H-Y-L-E-S, Hiles, and then they have a little dash, Anderson College. Hiles Anderson College. Hiles Anderson College is a Bible college located in Crown Point, Indiana, operated as a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana, since 1972. Then it goes on to talk about we've been training pastors and evangelists, but they've been around since 1972. Now, if you know anything about Hiles Anderson College, you may be familiar with the name Jack Hiles. 
You may be familiar, obviously, if maybe you're not familiar with the whole movement of the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement, Hiles Anderson College has been very big in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement. Now, there's much about how Hiles Anderson College has had controversy. First Baptist Church Hammond, Indiana, uh, of Hammond, Indiana, they've had controversy and scandal. There's been a lot that's happened there since 1972. Let's just say it that way. But Hiles Anderson College represents kind of a, a doctrinal and theological perspective and kind of a, a certain, they're, they're so much connected with the independent fundamental Baptist movement that I think it's somewhat interesting to hear in 2022 because the whole independent fundamental Baptist movement is by no by no means that in, that influential anymore. It, it's kind of a it's kind of an if you look at Christianity at large, the independent fundamental Baptist movement is kind of out there. They're not right there in the mainstream. They're they're, they're kind of an outlier. They're kind of a a little bit could we say kind of more on the fringe on the edges, right? So, but it's still. There's still plenty of independent fundamental Baptist churches in the country. There's still churches that even maybe they don't refer to themselves as independent fundamental Baptists. They are still influenced by that theological stream because they go they graduated from schools like Hiles Anderson College. So it may be a, a kind of a stream of theology you're not super familiar with. So that can make it very interesting for you to listen to. Um, and I, I I listen to it. There are things about it that at times drives me absolutely crazy, but I I, I like hearing what's going on. So what, what we're going to do is we're going to go to Hiles Anderson College, and we're going to listen to a recent a recent message that was preached during chapel. Now I have to say this right from the beginning. All right, I know I've taken way too long to do this, but that's okay. Um, we may have to break this one down into two parts. So I apologize. You get started just trying to talk about all of the different things and, and explaining your philosophy, and then you realize, man, I've spent way too long on my introduction, but that's okay. We have to talk about this, and I think everyone's going to have a different reaction. There's something they do in chapel at Hiles Anderson College that maybe you will love. For me, I absolutely hate it. It drives me crazy. All right, here's what they do. I think I understand I think I understand the mentality and the reason they do it, but it bothers me. And, but here's what happens. Right when they kind of announce, okay, here's going to be the person who's speaking for chapel this morning, all the students just jump up and start yelling and screaming. And, and like, it sounds like you're at a football game or at a concert. They just go absolutely crazy, right? And I, I think what they're trying to show is that they're trying to show respect to the speaker. Hey, we are excited that you are here. Thank you for being here. And it's supposed to show that they're excited to hear the word of God preached. So it's supposed to show that. But since it happens every single time, it comes across as so, it's kind of like, okay, guys, it's time to do that thing. You know you know that thing you're supposed to do? It's time to do that now. All right, we're going to announce the speaker. Now, everybody jump up and applaud. It just seems rehearsed and fake. And at times it just sounds like the college students are just using it as an opportunity to yell and scream their heads off. Um, and I don't know if they even really care about who the speaker is or even really care about what is preached. It, it just seems so fake to me. I know that's cynical. 
I know, but I tend to be a very cynical person. I know that's cynical. Maybe that's too judgmental. But every night when I get, when I'll grab my, my phone, I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to some podcasts as I try to go to sleep. And I start Hiles Anderson College and immediately it's like, ah, and I'm like, what? And just stop it. It's so, no. Now you're going to hear it. You may be like, Oh, isn't that so wonderful? Those young college kids all excited about the word of God. You may, you may approach it that way where I'm sitting there going, come on now, cut it out. You, you can tell me what you think. Are you ready? And the reason I have to say that is because as soon as this audio begins, that's what you're going to be hearing. And listen to how many times the speaker tries to just say, okay, guys, okay, guys, okay, guys. It's like, as soon as the speaker says, okay, guys, if you're showing respect to the speaker, that's when you would stop, right? It's not like on, you know, it's a late night talk show like The Tonight Show or, you know, Jimmy Kimmel or whomever. And it's like, you know, hey, welcome everyone. And the cl- crowd cheers and, and, and they're kind of like, you know, all right, keep that going. Keep it, It's not supposed to be that kind of thing. Hey, yeah, come on, crowd, keep it going. We've got a, you know, we've got the people on the internet to, to uh, make them think that this is the most exciting thing ever. I, I don't know. The whole thing just seems... It bothers me to no end, but even though it bothers me, I try to set that aside to hear what's going on at Hiles Anderson College and to kind of find out what's going on in this stream of theology. Now, remember, this is, when I say remember, I'm stating this like you know this, just when it comes to any stream of theology, say, let's say the independent fundamental Baptist kind of stream of theology, there are some independent fundamental Baptists who loves Hiles Anderson College, and there's some who absolutely despises Hiles Anderson College. So it may be, fall within that stream generally labeled, you know, we'll call it independent fundamental Baptist. Just realize not everyone within that same stream would agree with Hiles Anderson. I, we got to be, we got to give a fair representation there. I went to um, many independent fundamental Baptist churches and schools, and many of them absolutely did not like anything about Hiles Anderson College and spoke very negatively of it. If you go to way of life literature, which is right there within the independent fundamental Baptist world, world, they have, they have written number of publications condemning things about Jack Hiles and Hiles Anderson. So there, there's always those divisions in every stream, just so that you're aware. But are you ready? Let's go to Indiana this morning. All right, let's go to Indiana. It's probably cold there. So I don't know. I, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go while I sit right here in this sanctuary. But are you ready? Here we go. Hiles Anderson College. It's chapel service, right? You're, you, we've walked in. Okay. There's all the young. There's all the college kids. They're all excited. They're all ready. What are we going to hear about this morning? Let's find out. You see how many times? Okay, 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 okay. It's just, oh, that just drives me crazy. I'm like, what? 
I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It just seems like, hey, when you go to this school, this is what, when it's time for chapel and the speaker comes up, this is what we do. And I guess it's built into my DNA. I'm such an anti-conformist. If, if I went to that school and they told me this is what we do, I just wouldn't do it. I, I, I'm not, I know you may call that rebellion. I just, I, I've always been that way. Even when I was in high school, this is what we do. Well, I'm not doing it. I, why? Why? Who says we have to do? Well, that's just what we do. That's the tradition. I don't care about your stinking traditions. I don't have to participate in your reindeer game. So I would probably not do it, which I'm not saying is the right attitude. I probably would just sit there looking at the people going, how foolish is this? But maybe that's a bad attitude. I'm just being transparent with you. It's just every time I hear it, I literally have this same reaction every time. I've heard it a million times, probably not a million, but I've heard it who knows how many times. I've been listening to this their podcast forever, chapel service from this school forever, so I've heard it a lot, and every time I think I have the exact same reaction, and I know I know what you're saying. You just need to get over it. I know I should, but it's just like, come on. I mean, the speaker has said, okay, guys, okay, guys, just stop. You proved your point. You made your point. Now let the, now show respect by being quiet and let the speaker talk. Okay, the book of Galatians. You want to open your Bible to the book of Galatians? Let's go to the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bible, go to the book of Galatians, and we will. We're going to do something this morning that might be a little bit different for chapel. I'm going to preach through an entire book. Okay, so we're going to preach through an entire book of the Bible here this morning, the book of Galatians. So if you want to go to Galatians, and we're going to do that, it's uh, great to be here. Appreciate your enthusiasm, and I appreciate your enthusiasm for the Word and for preaching and I believe with all of my heart that God's doing big stuff. And I believe this is not a time for discouragement. This is a time for forward movement. Now, I don't know about you. I hope we get our country back. But even if we don't. Stop right there. I hope we get our country back. Now, we could just stop right here. This is a common, a common uh phrase, a common idea I hear in lots, not only Bible colleges, churches, we got to get our country back. Pray we can get our country back. We got to fight to get our country back. I, I, I don't get our country back. Like, what do you mean get our country back? Like, I don't really know what that means. You mean get our country back politically? Like, it, so we get our, so I, as a Christian, we want to get our country back. Well, wait a minute. I thought this wasn't my home. I thought I'm a pilgrim and a stranger here. This isn't my country, right? Isn't my country, aren't I looking for a heavenly city? Aren't I looking for heaven? Isn't my citizenship there? I'm not of this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. But but somehow this is my country. All right, so, so already that's weird because I thought as a Christian, my country was somewhere else. All right, so, so that's already weird. Number two, what do you mean get our country back? Our country back. Back to what? Like, I, I, don't, I don't really know what that means. That seems to imply in many cases that we got to get it back politically. So how do we get it back? We vote in Republicans. We vote in, we bring back Donald Trump. Then we'll get our country back. So you, you're saying that our country, and, and then how does this work? So I want my country back. 
by voting Republican. But what if someone wants their country back by voting Democrat? Whose country is it? Right. Like, I, I don't know how exactly that works. So we can get our. So so you're saying we need to get our country back politically. Or are you saying we need to get our country back spiritually? Well, if you're saying get our country back spiritually, then all we then as Christians, that would include that wouldn't involve politics. That would involve preaching, teaching, discipleship, evangelism. That, 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 so you just keep preaching and teaching. Like I, it's just the whole thing is strange to me. But I hear Christians say that I want my country back. We got to get our country back. And I'm like, so it's just. First of all, it implies that it's your country. It's no one else's country. Like, like the, it's such like it's my country. Yeah, and the person who lives across the street with you with the Joe Biden flag in their front yard, it's their country too, right? It's not just yours. Like, it's some this very narcissistic that. The country has to be your way because it's your country. No, we live in a country of people from all different ways of life, different ideologies. That's one of the beautiful things about it is that we are all, it's all of our countries with different ideas, different philosophies and different perspectives. So what I want is people to have freedom to express those different ideas, see which ideas win and the free market exchange of ideas And as a Christian, I just want to be left alone so that we can preach and teach the word of God. But I, but it's not my country as versus not yours, but that's what it implies. We want our country back because the people who currently have it, it, it's not their country. So it's just, I don't, it's such a strange phrase to use. And I just don't know why Christians use it. This isn't your home. This isn't your home. I, I, do we do we no longer believe that? You are not of this world. I mean, does that not even apply anymore? I, I, I don't know. Okay, I know, I know I'm taking way too long on that. But just whenever I hear that. Now, if he made the whole sermon about that, I'd be really worried. But it still just demonstrates that idea. And, and as soon as you say it, Christians are like, Amen, we got to get our country back. And it's like... You don't realize how utterly bizarre that sounds to someone like, well, wait a minute. It's my country too, right? No, it's our country. It's not yours. You're going to have a country in art the way we want it. <laughs> okay. That, that's okay. All right. And, and, and you wonder why people think Christians are insane and possibly a threat. Yeah. That, I think you can see why. God can still do great things in our day. And I want to tell you, friends, I'm so encouraged. I could just uh, just relate to you things God's been doing in Christian schools we've been in, where I would call it revival. God just sweeping through, God working in young people's hearts, kids getting broken, kids getting right with God. And I do believe God's on the march, and I am thrilled that you're here to train to be a part of it. And actually, you're already a part of it. And uh, so be encouraged in the Lord. I've certainly appreciated the great spirit here at Hiles Anderson's College it's been my first visit here. It's been a very good one. You've made a good impression on me. So you did your job. Okay. So very good impression. And I'm excited about what God has for you in the day. Now, I wonder, I mean, Christians constantly talk about there's revival. There's revival. I mean, I hear it so much. And, and this is even, and, and this is not a, not a, not a non, this is a non-charismatic uh, school. But even there, revival is sweeping through, you know, through, through young people. It's like, is it, is it really like, 
Do, is it just something that we're, is it just something that you're trained to say, hey guys, I want you to know revival is sweeping through young people. It, it's happening. Young people are getting broken. Young people are getting right with God. Revival is happening. Is it? Is it really? I, I, I just, I, I guess I've been hearing revival is coming. Revival is happening since I became, I see, I, it feels like I became a Christian and literally like the next day I'm, I'm hearing revival, 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 revival. And all I've seemed to see is the church get worse and worse and worse. Christianity seeming to get more and more unspiritual, unbiblical, heretical. It's like things are falling apart all around us, but revival, revival. And I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I maybe I've, maybe once again, you're, you're seeing how cynical I am. Maybe I'm just cynical when I hear that. It's just like, really, it's just, is it just like we're trained to say this because we got to be positive and we got to be encouraging. Sometimes maybe we just got to be realistic and look around and go, man, we need revival, but I don't know if it's really happening. Maybe it is happening. Maybe it's happening in areas that I'm not aware of. Maybe maybe there's some Bible colleges right now where revival is just breaking out and young people are being broken before God. And it's an amazing thing to behold. Maybe that is happening. If it is, I'm not in any way would be against it. I just think sometimes, is it real revival or something we just manufacture in our own minds? I, I, I don't know. Days ahead. Well, I want to just try to preach to you a message because I'll be honest with you today. I remember when I was uh, sitting in college years ago, I heard all kinds of preaching about movements and this emphasis and trying to help us be discerning about some of the things that were going on. And that's my attempt here today. I want to preach a message, legalism versus license. Legalism versus license. Unfortunately, the word legalism has used to be a club to be used to try to bludgeon those who have any kind of uh, biblical standards. And I want to try to address that this morning because sometimes it's misused, and I want us to be very accurate as we go through the Word of God, and I hope it'll help you. Now, as soon as I heard what he was going to preach on, I was like, whoa, this could be interesting, all right? So we have these two concepts, legalism, license. Now, I spent a lot of my time in independent fundamental Baptist churches, and I saw what they would they would they would tell you it's not legalism it's not legalism these are simply standards but was it legalism was it not what is legalism some will say legalism is only it, it's true definition is any attempt to try to become saved by what you do but does legalism involve more than just salvation and let me let me just this is very important if you say legalism is any attempt to be saved by what you do, then what happens when you have Christians who will say something like this? You're saved by grace alone through faith alone, but the faith that saves does not remain alone. So you better, you, ha- you have to do this work and this work and this work and this work. And if you don't do that, then you're not saved. You're not, no, no, you're not saved by your works, but your works prove that you're saved. So if you don't do the works, then you're not saved. So then you have to constantly be doing A, B, C, D, E and testing yourself to see if you've met, passed the test in order to be saved, which in a roundabout way is still saying you're saved by your works because if you don't have the works, you're not saved. They, they just try to draw this weird, like, you know, hey, look, no, we're still saved by grace alone, but if you don't do these things, you're not saved. And then my question would be, so wait a minute. So the proof of my salvation is not the imputed righteousness of Christ that I gain by faith. It's by the 
actions that I am engaged in and by what I do and don't do and how how perfect do I have to be in these actions in order to know that I'm saved because no one's going to be perfect. So clearly it's going to be an imperfect attempt to do the, well, and they'll say it's just the general direction and they come up with all of these ways, but when you get down to it, well, if you're going to be saved, you better be doing these things. You don't do these things. You're not saved, but you're saved by grace alone through faith alone because of Christ alone. Is that legalism? Now, people who, who hold to it say no. Here's the thing. I think everyone, everyone who is involved in what can be accused as being legalism will never claim that it's legalism. So what is legalism? Is it simply a club that people use when they say, oh, you're telling me I can't do that? That's legalism. What is it? And then what, what, what about license? What, 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 what License to do what? So this is an interesting subject, especially the fact that it's being preached in a school that would be a part of the independent fundamental Baptist stream, which has been accused plenty of legalism. I mean, when I went to an independent fundamental Baptist church, there were all kinds of rules. Couldn't go to the movie theater. You had to wear, um, as a man, you had to wear a tie. Your hair was not supposed to touch the collar of your shirt. You weren't supposed to have a beard, uh, no piercings, no tattoos. I mean, there was like all kinds of, of things you could and could not do. If you're going to be in the Bible Institute, there's all these things. You, it was just, it was just correct. Women could not wear pants. It was just on and on and on and on. There was a list and they would never have claimed to be legalist. In fact, anyone who accused them of being legalist, they would say, you don't understand legalism. So is can legalism legalism be easily defined? How is he going to define it? And how is he going to define license? Let's see where they go. Because uh, this uh, the book of Galatians is a tremendous book of the Bible that deals with uh, this issue. Now, I want to state right up front that the book of Galatians, this may shock you, but the book of Galatians was written to save people. The reason we know that is nine times they are dressed as brethren, brethren. You have to understand that really what Paul is defending here is not so much salvation, though that is certainly referred to, it's sanctification. It's the Christian life. These people had gotten saved by trusting Jesus, but they had gone back on the gospel to a works dependence, and in doing so had got into legalistic thinking. So we're going to, in just a moment, deal with that, try to walk through it theologically, but also practically to try to help you, because I know you're going to face these things uh, in, uh, in your life. Now, in a moment, we're going to give you the purpose statement of the book of Galatians, and then we're going to just kind of take a rocket ride through it, and I believe you see both, uh, both ditches. Now, I remember years ago, I was with a pastor who used to be an airman. Uh, he was in the Air Force before he uh, was called into ministry, and uh, there in the Air Force, he was uh, stationed in Korea, and one of the particular air stations he was stationed in was surrounded by rice fields. Now, this is not going to be an appetizing illustration, but he said that every once in a while, said a couple times a year or whatever, he said they would flood the rice fields, hang on, with human waste. Now, in between those rice fields, there were narrow, they were narrow like uh, earthen-type walkways that you'd have to walk into the air station on. And he said the commanding officer would get up in the, uh, to the airman and say, now listen, uh, said uh, the fields have been flooded with the human waste and uh, you need to make sure when you come in at night, you come in with a flashlight and you, you don't come in drunk. He said, you're going to fall into that and you're going to regret it. Now there was a very thin, uh, little thin road there in between and, and obviously one step you were obviously in defilement. Okay, we'll kind of make it a little, a little spiritual application there. 
And by the way, I don't know about you, it kind of makes me think twice before I eat rice. What do you think? Okay, I think I'm going to stick with white rice from now on. Okay, but anyway, but uh, I shouldn't have said that, but I'm with college kids, okay, so I can probably get away with it. But, uh, but anyway. Now, I like the illustration. You can say it's a little gross, but I do like the illustration in this sense, that there's a narrow walkway, and on either side, there's defilement. And if you step off that walkway, you find yourself defiled. Well, when it comes to Christianity, doctrinally, theologically, there's a narrow walkway. And if you get off that walkway, you find yourself in heresy. You find yourself in defilement. I, I say this all the time. If I get asked questions about maybe the Trinity or the hypostatic union, that, that I try to be very careful what I say because it's a very narrow walkway. And if you're not careful, you start trying to talk about the Trinity or the hypostatic union, certain things, the deity of Christ, humanity of Christ. If you're not careful, I mean, it's a very narrow walkway. One step, you're over into doctrinal defilement. You're over in heresy. So, so you, you've always, we got to be very precise in our terminology, very precise in what we say. Now, when it comes to this subject of legalism and license, let's, let's go back to his illustration. Is it possible that when we're talking about living out the Christian life, how should we live out the Christian life? Okay, here's what we should do. Here's what we can do. Here's what we can't do. Is it, is it a very narrow walkway? And if we're not careful, we slide over into defilement. We slide over into legalism or we slide over into some kind of license or or, or we could call it, you go from legalism to almost a a sinful mentality. Like legalism would be like, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. But it's legalistic. So it's still not spiritual. It's just a legalistic keeping of rules. That's defilement. And on the other side, it's almost like, well, I can do whatever I want and you're living in sin. That's defilement. Where's that balance in between, we'll call it legalism and sin? Where, where, where is that balance? Because I think many Christians slide way over into the legalistic approach or they slide way over into the approach that, well, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Where, where's that balance? Both, both sides, are there's defilement. We got to find that little narrow Wait, let's see. Is he going to be able to explain what that little narrow way is? Let, let's see. So they, uh, the commanding officer warned the men that they need to make come in because on either side was a really bad ditch. Do you know, my friends, on either side of the gospel is a really bad ditch. And so what we're going to try to deal is deal with one ditch is legalism, one ditch is license. You say, well, what's the road in between? It's what we preached last night, 0-100. How many of you were there in the service last night, heard the message? Okay, if you did not, it, uh, the message will not have full context, but you can certainly go back and listen to it to understand because what I'm dealing with now are the ditches on either side of what I would call the true understanding, the gospel understanding of how to live the Christian life. By the way, as I read the Bible, I see all around the Bible, you do too, the gospel to the sinner. But sometimes we miss the fact of the gospel to the saint. See, it's good news when you're going to hell. It's good news that there's a way of deliverance through the fact Jesus died, shed his blood, and rose again. That's good news, isn't it? But if you're a defeated Christian, it's also good news to find out that same Jesus who died to keep you out of hell, he also died to keep you out of sin. Now, I love that phrase, the gospel for the sinner and also the gospel for the saint. 
it, it, I, I've found it, I've always found it interesting the way it works. If you're, if you're lost and you can be guilty of every kind of sin you can think of, you just name it, every sin. You're lost. You walk into the church. You're like, I'm lost. I'm a sinner. And they're like, praise God. Believe in Jesus. All your sins are forgiven. All your sins are done. Now, you, you, it's, everything's great. Everything's forgiven. You just move forward. Just move forward. Everything's forgiven. Everything's washed away. You're good to go. You're good to go. And, and you, can, you can just now move forward. It's like, but if you are a Christian and then you commit certain sins, then it's almost like, okay, well, 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 no, wait a minute, wait a minute now. Okay, there is forgiveness. And then you always hear there, there is forgiveness. And then wait for it, dramatic pause. But there's gonna be some consequences. But there's gonna be something. And you're like, well, wait a minute. So the gospel, if I'm not saved, it's just like, boom, I'm forgiven. There may be natural consequences, like maybe I still have to go to jail or maybe I'm gonna have a disease or whatever the case may be. But when you become a Christian and you commit certain sins, it's like, well, 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 there is forgiveness, but there's consequences. And guess who gets to lay out the list of consequences? People do, right? Because in many cases, scripture, they'll, they'll try to use scripture. They'll try to use scripture. Like, well, see, David, David didn't get to build the temple because of his sin. Oh, oh, okay. So now what did, how does that translate into modern day? And so they'll cr- try to come with some comparison. I'm like, well, wait a minute. He didn't get to build the temple, but he got used to write scripture, even though he was an adulterer and a murderer. Solomon got to build the temple, even though he was a serial adulterer and polygamist. <laughs> like, d- does that does that really work for, oh, and he got to write scripture as well. It's like, I, I don't know exactly how that all, like, but whenever people try to come up with their list of consequences, they'll just like, well, see, d- the baby died. David's baby died. There's a consequence. Yeah, God imposed the consequence. Did, is that, is that text telling you, here are the 10 consequences you can impose on other people when they sin? Here's the thing, when Christians sin, yes, they have to be confronted. Yes, I'm, I, I, there can be discipline. I'm not saying that there can't be discipline. I'm not saying there can't be consequences, but here's the thing. First, they need to hear the gospel. Hopefully they will repent and they need to know that their sins are, have been completely forgiven and washed away by the blood of Christ. Then any quote unquote consequence that you want to impose should be there not to simply punish, destroy, but to restore them back to a position of being used and being able to move forward. I'm not saying you excuse the sin, but the gospel is there to forgive sin. The gospel needs to be forgiven to the saint as well as to the sinner. The gospel needs to be for the people in the church as well as the people outside of the church. It's almost like you get one shot at the gospel. And then once you get saved, that gospel is not quite the same anymore. Now there's, now there's all kinds of, well, what about this? What, what about, now I'm not saying, listen, make it very clear. If someone commits a crime, okay, that crime is not just simply washed away because of the gospel. Their sins are forgiven, but they still have to deal with the legal consequences of a crime, okay? A crime. Because some churches will go, to the other extreme, like, well, you know, yeah, this person beat his wife, but, you know, he confessed his sin, so we're not going to report this to the authorities. No, that that's not what we're talking about, okay? It's sexual assault, sexual harassment, you know, uh, domestic, uh, you know, abuse, those things are just not 
we just like, well, you know, they, they confessed it, so it's all gone. No, it's just weird. Like sometimes the church almost turns their eye away from actual crime. And then in another situation, someone will commit a, a sin that's not a crime. It's a, it's a crime before God, but not a crime as from, as from a legal perspective. And then they'll be like, that's it. Crucify that person. That person can never do another thing again. And you're like, well, what can, can we think this through carefully? And again, it's that idea, a narrow path, and there's a ditch on every side. And we have to learn to think about these. The goal always for any sinner is no matter whether they are a sinner or whether they are a saint, when they commit sin, is that they get the gospel, they get they get forgiven, they get restoration, and they get they get helped back to be useful, not just beaten down, disgraced, and branded. All right, let's continue. See, see, that's good news. And that's what I would call the gospel or the good news to the saint. That the same Jesus who died, shed his blood, and rose again, the same Jesus whose death, burial, and resurrection, our identification with it secures us the wonderful possibility of living in victory. Hallelujah. That's good news. Kind of like we preached last night. So we're going to begin in Galatians chapter number 1, looking at verses 6 and 7. Here's the purpose statement of the book. The Apostle Paul, of course, in Galatians here, he does not give any commendation to these churches. And it's a little different than his other epistles. You can tell he's exercised, he's burdened. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the gospel was under attack. And I will tell you, friend, God give, gave me the gift, I believe, of the evangelist. And there's one thing about an evangelist. You say, what is an evangelist? It's the first six letters, or seven letters, I should say, of that word evangelist is the word evangel. An evangelist is all about the evangel. And that's what it's, uh, we're, what's going on here. Look at verse 6. He says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that um, called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. Now, my question would be, which one is it? Is it another gospel or is it not another? Well, most of you may know this. There's two different Greek words there. The first Greek word is the word heteros. Okay, heteros simply means another of a different kind. Now, we use the word heteros in uh, English, so you probably are familiar with it, in the word heterosexual. Obviously, as believers, we believe in heterosexual marriage, which is the marriage between a man and a woman. Now, what that word heteros is, is determining is that men and women are different. Now, I know you guys, most of you are single, and those of you who are single haven't fully comprehended this, but men and women are different in the way they think. Now, let me help you girls out. If you ever get married, I'm going to tell you about a man's brain. His brain is like a chest of drawers, and he only lives in one drawer at a time. Okay, so um, sometimes, many times, he lives in the food drawer. You know what I'm talking about? And um, sometimes uh, he lives in the Chicago Cubs drawer. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? And sometimes he lives in the Killing Bambi's mother drawer. Okay, and sometimes he lives in... Uh, uh, sometimes he lives in the fishing drawer, okay? And, and there's one drawer, ladies, you need to know, it has nothing in it, absolutely nothing. So one day, if your husband looks like a blank stare looking off into the, uh, just off into the distance, and you say to him, honey, what are you thinking about? And he looks back at you, and the blank looks says, oh, nothing, he means it. He actually means it. Okay, so that, uh, that is a guy's brain. Now, a woman's brain is like a bowl of spaghetti, but the, they're not noodles, it's electricity, okay? And... Um, 
uh, a woman is never thinking about one thing. She's thinking about a million things, and they all interconnect. Okay, so I just want to help you out. Okay, so men and women are different, and uh, one of the big ways they're different is the way they think. Okay, so that's the word heteros. This is not here to be a marriage seminar, but nonetheless, it's right there. Okay, so God, uh, what Paul is saying here is you guys have gotten to another gospel which is different. It's different, which is not another. That's another of the same kind. So what he's saying is, you got after a gospel that's another of a different kind. It's a different kind of gospel, which is not another of the same kind. Okay, so the gospel he's talking about, the legalism, he's going to just help us understand is not Bible gospel. It's different. Now, not only do we see it's different, the rest of the verse says, which is not another, but there be some which trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. The word pervert there literally has the idea of reverse or turn to the opposite. So I Okay, now we have to stop here because we have to check this out. Uh, and this is just something I do. I don't care if it's at a Bible college. I don't care if it's seminary. I don't care where it is. Whenever they say something about a Greek word, saying that, that so uh, Galatians 1, 6. So let me read, I'm going to try to, rem, I'm going to try to restate his position here. Galatians 1, 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you and to the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. And he's saying the, the, the another's here, there's two different another's. One is another of a different kind, and one is another of the same kind. And he's arguing that this is based off the Greek word. So let's go to Galatians 1.6. Galatians 1.6. And so the first another shows up in verse 6. Galatians 1, 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. I'm going to click on this. All right, I'm going to pull up the interlinear. Okay, the called you of Christ into another, all right? The Greek word for another is this Greek word, right? It's this Greek word. Strong's G, 2087, heteros. Heteros. All right, heteros. Now, he mentioned that Greek word, heteros, and it's used 99 times in the King James. It means uh, the, the uh, Strong's definition, uh, other or different, altered, else, the next day, one, another, some, strange. If you, if you look, at, uh, look at the outline of biblical usage, this is basically how it's broken down. And this will really uh, go into Thayer's Greek lexicon. But here we go. I'll just, I'll try to make it simple here for time's sake. All right. So heteros means the other, another, other to number, number as opposed to some former person or thing, the other of two to quality, another one of not the same nature, form, class, kind, or different. So this is another not of the same kind. So let me read this that way. Uh, Galatians 1, 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you to the grace of Christ unto another gospel, a, a gospel that is of a different kind, a different type. It's not the same kind of gospel. It's another gospel in a different kind. It's a different type. Okay, now let's go back. I'm going to go back here to verse 7 now. He says, which is not another Right? That's verse 7. Now, what does verse 7, what Greek word is used there for another? Oh, it is a different Greek word. The an another here is this Greek word. 
The other one was heteros. This Greek word is... Strong's G243, alos. Alos. This is alos. Now, alos just means... Uh, it's used 160 times. It's translated other, another, some. It... uh. There's really, there's not a lot of information here. Basically, it just means another or other. And he's arguing that this is another or other of the same kind. All right. So let's go through this. Galatians 1, 6. Hey, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, another, a, a, a gospel of a different kind, a different type. It's not the, it's not the same kind of gospel, right? Which is not another. It's not of the, it's, it's not of the, he's saying of the same kind. It's, it's a, it's, it's, it's not the same kind of gospel. All right. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Okay. It is interesting. There's, there's two different Greek words there. Um, he he could have probably done a little bit more with the significance there. I, I'm glad. I mean, this is why we, I listen to different things because I don't know I don't know if I've heard a lot of discussion about the two uh, different Greek words there for another. So I'm glad he pointed it out. I would wi- I wish he would have spent less time with kind of the ma- having fun with the differences between male and females and would have spent a little bit more time really breaking down the differences in these Greek words and exactly what he's trying to emphasize here. But all right, let, let's, let's go a little bit further here. Heteros gospel is an opposite gospel. Okay, so the true gospel says you get saved by faith. A false gospel says you get saved by works. See, a true gospel tells you as a Christian that you live the Christian life by trusting Jesus. A false gospel says you live the the Christian life by trusting yourself. See, See, they're opposite gospels. Now, it's important for you to understand that legalism has nothing to do with the line you draw. Many times the definition of a legalist is this. Anybody who's stricter than I am, that's a legalist. That is not a good definition. A legalist is not, that legalism is not determined by the line you draw. Legalism is determined by your attitude toward the line. You could take somebody who's loosey-goosey and they're legalistic. Why? Because the line they draw, they have the wrong attitude toward it. And you could take somebody who's very conservative who is not a legalist at all because of their attitude toward the line. You see that? So legalism... Now, that's an interesting concept. Legalism is not defined by the line you draw, but it's the attitude you have towards it, right? So, um, yeah, that's interesting, right? So, someone here draws a line and go, okay, you can't do this, you can't do that. They may not be a legalist, but it's their attitude towards that line. So, I guess the attitude would go something like this. Hey, if you do these things, you're not saved. Then th- would that be legalism? Or wait a minute, over over there, they're 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 all loosey goosey, and that's where they draw the line. And they're like, but if you go over there and you start saying you can't do this and can't do that, you're not saved. In other words, is the attitude towards the line is like here's the line, and anyone who doesn't follow this line isn't saved. Does that make it legalism? He, now he's going to have to really clarify this, but this is an interesting concept. It's not the line someone draws that makes them a legalist. It's the attitude towards said line. All right, now, that's, uh, that's, that's really, that's, that's, this is some good stuff here. So we're going to stop right here, and then I'm just going to turn around and come right back live on the air 
and we'll, we're going to continue here. We're going to stop this at the, about the 10 minute mark. We'll back it up a little bit and then we'll, we'll pick this up and we'll come back in with not such a long introduction. I apologize that my introduction was long, but uh, I just wanted to really kind of give you why, what we're doing and why we're doing it and uh, try to get you all prepared for, well, now listening to some podcasts from a Bible college and a seminary. And I think that this can be uh, beneficial to you. This again is the Hiles Anderson podcast. It may be hard to find on some podcast apps. Remember Hiles, H-Y-L-E-S dash Anderson. Um, and you and it should show up as Hiles Anderson College. If you cannot find it, I know it's available on the Edify Christian podcast app. All right. And what I've discovered in many cases, in some cases, you really now if you have a podcast app that will allow you to immediately subscribe to it just using an RSS feed, then you can go find the RSS feed of any podcast and then subscribe to it that way. If you can't do that on your podcast app, just in, in just placely basically put in the RSS feed. Well, then you may have to have multiple podcast apps because in some cases a podcast is available on one app and not available on another. And I've got to say this to Christian podcasters. Like, I don't understand how some of you, and I don't understand how some churches think. If you're going to put yourself on the internet, then why would you not want it available on every platform on earth? Like, I don't understand this mentality is like, well, you know, we our sermons are available. Well, how can I, okay, can I get to the podcast? Well, we don't really do the podcasting thing, but you can go to our website and download the sermons. I'm like, you do realize it's 2022, right? I mean, hello, hello. You do realize that. People have podcast apps. Make your sermons, make your teaching, make your stuff available on all podcast apps. I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. It's like, well, we're going to use the internet, but we're really not going to use the internet. Because there's so many times someone will say, oh, I heard this good sermon. I'm like, okay, how can I subscribe to their podcast? Well, it's not, they don't really have a podcast, but you can, and I'm like, then no, it's 2022. If they're not going to make it available, why do I have to go run around jumping through hoops to get to it? Well, it's on YouTube, but it's nowhere else. Come on. I mean, we're, we're, I'm, in, I'm in a little church in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and we have no money. Our, our content is available on every platform on earth. And if you find one on there that it's not available on, let me know and I'll figure out how to get it there. We're on YouTube. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Pandora, Amazon Music, Deezer. We're, I mean, Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Edify Christian Podcast. We're everywhere. I mean, it's just, I'm always looking for another. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What platform is that? Okay. How can I get us on there? How can I get us on there? And I'm always looking for ways because you want to make it available to everyone. So it's just, it's frustrating because I'll be like, okay, well, for that podcast, I have to use this app. And for that podcast, I have to use this app. And I'm like, that's just ridiculous. So I know a little bit of now, just now me going on one of my own little rants, but there, there you go. It just makes no sense to me. But Hiles Anderson College, we'll come back. We'll finish this. It's an interesting, an interesting discussion about legalism. And I, I think this approach is going to be hopefully beneficial to everyone, get you thinking about a subject that maybe you've not given much thought to. There, I, think in, I think there was a time that this was discussed a lot in churches, and now I think people kind of just like, who cares about legalism? Who cares about license? I'm just going to kind of live out my Christian life. But it's interesting to hear. Well, obviously, in this stream of, of theology, legalism is still a very important topic because 
that this stream uh, within the independent fundamental Baptist is often accused of being legalist. So it would make sense for them to be talking about it in a Bible college, training up the next generation of people who will be pastors in independent fundamental Baptist churches. So, all right, we'll be right back. All right, thanks for listening. God bless. <laughs> 